Welcome to Her Bro, His Sis, a podcast hosted by sibling ministers discussing topics of faith and family. Well, I'm just uh, super excited. Uh, another month of Her Bro, His Sis, and grateful to be your bro. <laughs> As always, I'm grateful uh, to be your sis. Yes. Um, yeah, we just always just have just wonderful conversation, and we're just... Um, just so blessed to be uh, not only a part of the body, but just to be able to uh, be a voice um, that can then go back and, and speak to the body and just um, encourage um, our listeners, which we uh, believe is the body of Christ, um, just to pursue um, maturation in our faith. You know, it's always just a joy. You know, we have multiple conversations. I think every time we talk, we talk in some vein about um, just our faith and, and to encourage one another. And, and, you know, one of my favorite scriptures, obviously, is Hebrews 10 you know, 23 to 25 about, um, you know, finding ways to stir one another to love and good works. And so, you know, that I think is just the epitome of our conversations and, and you know, continuing to try to uh, propel one another to um, progress in this, this life of, of faith. And so, um, you know, this is an extension of that. And I'm just so grateful to, uh, to do this with you um, specifically. But, um, you know, that kind of is, is a good segue into today's topic, um, you know, and, and um, you know, not trying to give too much away with the title, but, um, you know, today's title is In and Not Of. And so, you know, when we think about that, um, we know that that's a, um, that is a kind of a cliche that we've heard in the church, um, you know, over time. And that's something I heard, you know, growing up in, in Christ is, you know, be in the world and not of it. And, you know, it's just been something right. that we would <laughs> just kind of say, um, you know, and, and just obviously saying that because we've now accepted um, and, and been adopted into this life in Christ that we are now, we live in the world, <laughs> but we're not to uh, conform to the patterns of this world. And so mm-hmm. um, it's something I've, I've grown up in. And so I kind of want to just kind of use that topic as kind of a play on words, if, if you will, a little bit today mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of bring that into the church and, and see what it, it means to be uh, in the church, but not of it. Um, and so um, that, that's kind of where we're going today. Um when I think about the church and I think about the body of Christ, um, you know, God has, has designed us as a conglomerate of diversity. Um, we are um, just a unique set of people, <laughs> um, right. you know, and, and I've been to, you know, I'll say tons of churches. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a church hopper or anything, but you know, the, the, <laughs> the Lord has, has, has positioned us in such a way that we've uh, been privy to be a part of, of some very, uh, different churches. You know, I, I believe that every right. church is unique in its own set, um, you know, whether it be from a denominational standpoint or just, um, you know, just the people that the, the community that we're around, the, the cultures, mm-hmm. all of that, you know, make up this conglomerate of diversity, which is beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you can go into any city, you know, the city that my church is in currently, I mean, there's a church in every corner. I mean, there's literally a ton of churches <laughs> um, yeah. and not any of those churches are the same. I don't remember when I came back there um, where you're at. I mean, saw quite a few churches as well um, there's plenty yeah. <laughs> um, and so you know you know praise god for that that you know the, the church is is out there and we, and we have a presence but um you know you don't get the same experience at, at every church um and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit you know um you know we we have a different context but similarly we're classified so if you were to look outside the church um you know, whether it be a non-believer or, or just somebody kind of speaking about the church, uh, the capital C church, um, mm-hmm. the global church, people would naturally just say, oh, that's the church. Like, so mm-hmm. 
to the outside, the perspective is that we're all the same, right? Right. Um, so we're supposed to be united in Christ, and that is what kind of um, establishes the unity. Um, you know, the Bible says that we're, we're one and that uh, God has made all um, and all for Christ, um, that he is um, in all for all. And uh, we can go into that in Colossians, but um, we're united, we're not unified. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that that's something that um, is really tough for the church to maybe hear and accept and, and maybe come to terms with, but it's definitely a reality that I think we have to begin to start, you know, in our, our own circles, really begin to identify in our own heart. Are we unified to the church of God? Um, you know, taking denominations aside, any of that, what is our unity to, and what is our unity for? Um, and so this one just really just hits deep for me. I know last month, you know, we talked about here, receive and obey. And that was something that was really just kind of your mantra that you've really just kind of honed on. And, and um, you know, you painted a beautiful picture for us to really um, just be simplified in that understanding of, of hearing, receiving and obeying the word of Christ. And so I think that this is kind of I would call this maybe a part two to that of, you know, because we have heard the word of the Lord, because we have received the word of the Lord as believers. Now we need to obey. And this is another form of that obedience and recognizing what it means to be unified in Christ. So I just want to get into that a little bit, um, but just kind of in some introductory thoughts, just as we go into that, um, you know, what are you kind of uh, sitting on as you, as you hear about unity in the church? Wow. Well, there's just two things that come to me first off, based off of everything you've just brought us. Um, so when you first started saying that, be in the world and not of it, man, that just really brought back so many old school memories of yeah. stuff that you hear all the time. <laughs> and so what that makes me think of is, okay, be in the world, but not of it. So we're expected to live in this world, but not become worldly like the world. You know, we're supposed to stand out. Um, but then, okay, take that to the church, in the church, but not of it. There are people that are in the church, they they be in the church, but they're not of the church. Um, so they attend church, um, but they don't let the church really become um, part of their fabric, or they, they don't really want to be active, you know, as a member of the church. They just want to come every now and then. Or they don't really want to commit to stuff, you know but they're in the church. They're not of the church. Hmm. And then um, in the family and not just, you know, family on the natural level, right? Like we have family members that we're related to, but a lot of us are ashamed to be um, a part of that family. Or there could be actual like biological adoptive type of situations where you're in a family, but not of a family. got disowned, got, you know, whatever the case might be. But if you think about the family of God, which is what we consider ourselves, you know, this community that we have uh, cultivated, you know, um, our listeners, each other, you know, we're family. Um, And so how many people are in the family of God, but are supposed to be in the family, but they're like those ones who want to be outcasts or want to be the ones who are like, well, that's a brother and sister, but like, I, Mm-mm, I'm not, you know, so whether you disown yourself or whether you uh, disown somebody else, like you're in the family of God, but you're not really of it. So it makes me think of those uh, things first and foremost. And then secondly, um, also, you talked about being united. So what's another way that people can look at this? Because it's not just church, you know, sometimes we, I love the fact that we're both able to kind of use natural illustrations to kind of paint the picture of like what we're trying to convey. And so I was just thinking, like, this is still the month of September. 
we just had the what was it the 20th anniversary of the 9/11 attacks for mm-hmm. um you know so America the United States is what do they say one nation under god um the united states is the name of our country <laughs> um but we're united as a country in that sense you know the states are technically land touching land so they're united by land uh, but we're not unified as a people. Mm. So we're not really unified until there is a unifying event or element that makes us rally together. And then at that point in time, we lay down our differences, our preferences, our hates, our whatever. All of a sudden, 9-11 happens, and we're now one nation who is unified because 9-11 happened to all of us. And maybe we weren't all at the, t- uh, the towers. Maybe we all have relatives that um, you know were victims of what happened. Uh, Maybe we didn't all lose somebody, but it was traumatizing. It was devastating to everyone who watched it, who heard it, who saw it, who experienced it. Everybody has their own stories that they can remember what happened on that day and where they were. So at that point, we're we're temporarily, for a short period of time, able to become unified because Mm -hmm. we made a decision to consciously lay down stuff and be like, hey, this is our country. We are all of each other, black, white, whatever, whatever, presidential things didn't matter, <laughs> political things didn't matter. None of that stuff mattered when 9-11 happened. And so mm. we have, again, the capacity to be unified when we choose to be unified. But when it comes to the church, you know, there's just so many things that we've let be fleshly and divisive that we're in the church, but we're not really of it. So that's so that, what I got, just basically. Okay. <laughs> so I don't want to jump around in the notes, and this isn't even on the notes, really, but that piece right there, <laughs> okay so i'm, I'm gonna bring it to a, another natural illustration so like funerals like you know every time we go to a funeral what happens obviously you know everybody you know they're mourning and so we have mm-hmm. a common like you said a common uh thread which is grief right and yeah. so we're all coming to this funeral and then what you what usually happens after that funeral we'll, we'll catch up with a few people that we haven't seen in mm-hmm. a while. man we got to make sure we stay together we got to do this and that yeah it doesn't happen right. why it's not because we were temporarily unified. I would actually take it a step further and say that we're permanently submissive. Mm. And, I, and, and I'll say it this way. So we recognize that, okay, if we can be temporarily unified, that that basically is saying that we are willing to let our hair down and not address these issues mm-hmm. that are still in, in existence. But just for today, because we are connected to grief i'm only going to focus on the grief today but tomorrow i just want to pop it again as it pertains to this situation so Mm -hmm. i would say that we're submissive to the fact okay i'm going to come to this situation and when when i need to i'll go ahead and just keep my mouth shut but it doesn't mean i'm Mm -hmm. changing specifically so i I think that unity would have to say that if we're unified we would have to discard those things or have them we, we can't have a misrepresentation of unity in the sense of simply because I'm not saying anything about it doesn't mean that I'm unified to you because I might not be talking about it, but in my spirit and in my heart, what am I saying? What am I believing? Yeah. What am I practicing? So it might not come out, you know what I'm saying, in a, in a practical way where you can see it, but that's just today, mm. you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I think that that's a, a very deep point as we begin to talk about what unity is. Um, or the lack thereof. So, man, that that, that was a beautiful illustration. So, uh, yeah, thank, <laughs> thank you for sharing. And, you know, I just want to say this other piece because you used 
a beautiful follow-up to that by using the funeral and grief. Like, I find that it's usually a negative thing or a sad thing that brings people together more so than happy occasions. Mm. Usually happy occasions can't unify people. Like, we're not willing to lay it down for happy things, celebratory Mm. things, you know, because we all still have our isms and preferences and whatever quirks in celebratory and festive things but when it comes to grief like again with september 11th that is worldwide that's nationwide impact so we're all going to grieve together um funerals the families that haven't seen each other and since the last person passed away we're coming together again because that's the last you know that's basically our family reunion is someone's death you know so we come together to be unified for grief but we, we should be focused on the things that are joyful and pleasant and good. And why can't we be unified in daily, daily things? So I love this, that you're bringing this topic up because it's not about just being um, one in hard times. It's being one at all times. Mm. That's good. That's good. You actually brought up, uh, if I can recall it the david's amplified version uh, a scripture that you had appreciated uh the elaboration on uh which is in um uh, i think it's the one in, in john which says you know love your neighbor as yourself um mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's in a few places obviously you know the one i was thinking of is first john 4 20 and 21 you know um mm-hmm. you know to love your neighbor but um you know basically it was love um and then i added display the attributes of god to your neighbor, which is anyone in your vicinity, as yourself, mm-hmm. with favoritism, but without constraint. So mm-hmm. that particular um, verse, I think, is important to understand unity because, you know, as you're saying that, you know, we can appreciate and grief and we have, you know, compassion for those who are like us in that particular moment. And so, you know, there's a love there or there's, you know, we're going to hug somebody that, you know, we're maybe not naturally thinking about the fact that, hey, there was a disagreement previously, but because we're now... Um, you know, sharing in, in each other's suffering at this particular moment, I'm going to let some things go or even mask myself from even understanding that there was an issue. Um, mm-hmm. Love, which would be the celebration of praise, um, mm-hmm. should also be at all times. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can't only mm. love when it's conditional and contingent upon our own um, mm-hmm. desires or, or our own feelings because love is emotional but love we can't be emotional when we love you know what I'm saying? Like, right we have to say well i'm only gonna love when i'm appreciating what's happening because then we become disjointed to what true biblical love was uh, because mm-hmm. if that was the case god would have never loved us you know what I'm saying? Because right we was wilding i believe he says in romans 5 8 that while we were yet sinners christ died for <laughs> yes. us so the Thank love you, was, in, was in action you know what i'm saying we weren't even thinking about him so if that's the, mm-hmm. the picture of love that we're supposed to have that means we got to love some sinners, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> in or out the church, you know what I'm saying? When people yep. are wilding out in the church, you know, there's still a love that has to be um, exhibited there. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we're definitely getting caught up on these examples, and I love it. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I think that that illustration paints such a beautiful picture of where we are in terms of our unity in the church and really just a reflection and an evaluation of are we uni- are we connected or are we unified? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. um, and we could talk about membership. Um, you know, the difference between membership and unity are not necessarily the same because I can have a gym membership and not know any of the members there. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. That mean I'm unified to 
I want to call it valleys, but I think they're called blast fitness now. Um, but, you know, I'll use GB3 because I think that's still out and relevant. But, um, you know, are we unified to every George Brown uh, member or is there a mm-hmm. unity that connects us simply because we're members? So, um, yeah, let, let's definitely start to get into these notes because, yeah, it's... it's um, <laughs> you I, I definitely are think that we're, there. We're, we're looking at unity incorrectly, and, and I, I, I love the, just the pictures that we're painting because I think it, it definitely helps even in our own spirits to really evaluate, mm-hmm. are we even unified at all times? Because, you know, mm-hmm. we have the tendency to be fleshly in, in our in our desires as well. So um, what does unity look like in the local context? So, you know, our, our local church, you know, again, we talked about the fact that there are different churches, but, you know, when we think about the local context, um, there used to be this running joke that... Um, if you don't want disunity in the church, don't move the piano. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or don't sit in the piano. And it's like, okay, it's funny, but it's only funny because we don't want to really think about what that really is saying. <laughs> the fact that that mm-hmm. is really disunifying and splitting the church. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I've seen some church splits over some ignorant stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm. are we really that disunified in our hearts? And that just speaks to, I think, the fleshly nature of who we are as people. And I, I really want you to speak to this because I think we brought it up a few podcasts ago about, um, is it the Hebrew six where it's talking about, you know, leaving the elementary truths and, and the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, he's still having to speak to us as babes because we're focused on things that we shouldn't be focused yeah. on. So, um, I know that you have a lot to say about the local context because that's definitely been something that um, you have a lot of experience in and you've seen a lot of um, just difficult things within the body of Christ as it pertains to the local context. So just want to hear your heart on that as you think about unity in the church. Well, let me just say this one part first, because this kind of blends this and then um, kind of the tail end of what we just finished talking about. Um, if you go to first John, cause you also plug first John chapter four, but um, chapter two, actually first John chapter two verses nine and 10 in particular, this says, the one who says he is in the light, and I'm reading from Amplified, this says, in consistent fellowship with Christ. So if you as a brother, because you know he's talking to people in the church now, Mm -hmm. he started at the beginning in verse one, he said, my children, little children, believers, beloved ones, okay? Um, He says, the one who says he is in the light, in consistent fellowship with Christ, and yet habitually hates or works against his brother in Christ, is in the darkness until now. The one who loves and unselfishly seeks the best for his believing brother lives in the light, and in him there is no occasion for stumbling or offense. He does not hurt the cause of Christ or lead others to sin, but the one who habitually hates or works against his brother in Christ is in spiritual darkness and is walking in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the Mm. darkness has blinded his eyes. So that's kind of like the introduction to, you know, the whole unity being like it's starting with you unity starts with you for a reason literally the letter u the word itself Mm -hmm. starts with the letter u but unity starts with you first and foremost um and that just came to me right now (laughs) so um if you are a person (laughs) yeah if you are a person who says or claims that you are in the light which you're which you're actually claiming is that you're in consistent fellowship with christ but yeah if you're in consistent fellowship with christ then how is it possible that you habitually hate Mm. or work against your brother? Mm. So you may not say I hate this person, but when you work against them, um, then that's, that's 
manifestations of hate, right? So even if you don't say that you love someone, but you continually show them uh, works of love, then they feel love. They see love expressed. So it's no different the other way around. And so God is saying through this word that you're in darkness if you claim that you're in light and this is how you roll. And I know that we have all seen this or still do see this in many ways within our church experiences. Um, but the one who does love and unselfishly seeks the best for his brother, believers, mm-hmm. lives in the light. And so that's how you can tell where you are. If you are, if you are showing love, walking in love, abiding in love, and being unselfish. Selfish means that everything is centered around you, what you like, your preferences, um, how you want things done, this and that. So just like you talked about the funny thing about the piano moving, mm-hmm. um, that's a selfish thing if it has to be in a certain spot because a certain person or individuals wanted it right there. When we're unselfish, we don't care nothing about that because at the end of the day, <laughs> does it make a difference <laughs> where Piano's the thing is the at? Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, so again, we're sometimes we are getting we get caught up in things that really don't make a difference. And at the end of the day, if we are in consistent fellowship with Christ, what matters? Yeah. Like the things that really matter are the things that are going to resonate in our spirit, and the things that don't matter are those kind of unnecessarily literally ignorant just are you serious type of things like that's literally all you can say is are you serious are we really mad about this are we really irritated about this are we really arguing over this are we really copping attitude with this sister or this brother like are you really mad (laughs) about these things so when i think about the local church that thing first starts them from is you it really starts able to basically be mature, you know, you need to be mature. You need to be an unselfish person. Um, and you need to, to learn how to love you just like you were talking about love everybody in your vicinity. Um, they may not all get the same expressions of love, but we need to learn how to love people in every setting. So that's just kind of a general intro there. Yeah. And and I like that because when you talk about, you know, the piano and us arguing about the piano, what does that symbolize? So when we're talking about unity, what's biblical about the piano, right? Like if we're just going to get their <laughs> bones about it. So if, mm-hmm. if we're unified, if we talk about unity, we should only be, be disunified and things that are actually <laughs> of importance where, and so, you know, we talk about being in the world and not of it. So we are disunified from the world because they don't have the same worldview that we share. So that's a, mm-hmm. there is a clear distinction between, okay, that's the world. This is the church. Within the church, if we're focusing on things that are unbiblical or irrelevant in the sense of like, like you talk about preferences, mm-hmm. that has no bearing on the word of God. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. So if we're arguing or choosing to be disunified about something that ain't even really relevant, what are we saying about the testimony of the church? And I think that's really what it gets down to is what are we identifying ourselves as? And, and, you know, James three, you know, talks about um, having bitter jealousy and and selfish ambition. Like if, if I'm willing to lay on the altar of, I don't like you anymore because you moved the piano or that's my Mm -hmm. seat. Brother, you should just be glad that I'm in here. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. You know what I mean? So, like, what are we thinking about? So, if we were really to start to peel back what frustrated us about things, we actually would probably 
have to beg at the altar of mercy if we really right. understood what that represented. Repent. Because if we're thinking about the fact that, okay, they moved the piano and I'm angry because it's no longer right in front of me. Or, you know, like, mm-hmm. honestly, like, wh- where can you, f- like, point to me a scripture where that actually would, would have some relevance to us really considering the fact that we should probably put it back. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and because there's not, then I'm going to point to a scripture that says, that you're now, and I'm, I'm going to do Romans 12, 9, which says, let love be without dissimulation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the fact that I'm choosing to hang my hat on something that's not relevant means that now I have to point to a scripture that talks about Galatians 5, like what is the fruit of the spirit? You know, there's right. there's pride in this connected to this. So I can actually find sin in your disobedience and your disunity, whereas mm-hmm. I can't find any fruit <laughs> And your desire, you know what I'm saying? So, right. Uh, and I believe that's James Ford, you know, about, um, you know, we're, we're lusting after things and we're mm-hmm. fighting because it's not founded on truth. <laughs> so exactly. that's really the point of, of unity um, is, is what it destroys as a result of not having it. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, we could definitely hang on this for, for a long time, but um, I think secondly, I think about unity amongst other churches. And I think this is really um you know, where the rubber is starting to meet the road um, for me personally right now is how I'm starting to see that how our differences, because, um, you know, we, we I don't have that fight about where you put your piano at another church. But now mm-hmm. I'm starting to think about theologically and um, philosophically how you do things that are not how I do it. And therefore, that's creating a disconnect in terms of how I believe, well, I'm right and you're wrong or vice versa. And so, um, yeah, talk, talk to us about that and how you feel. Um, unity is destroyed or or even perceived uh, amongst other churches and denominations specifically? Wow. So, um, well, like you had said before, I've been, personally, I've been to a gamut, a lot, a lot of different type of churches throughout my years. Um, And so there's a couple things with this. Um, Within denominations and without denominations, there's a lot of division within churches. And Honestly, I had been by default because of just merely being a part of churches and that's just all you were fed and all you were taught guilty by association, honestly, yeah. of being, um, you know, on disunified because yeah. of how their culture was of unity uh, or disunity within the church or uh, other churches. So, for example, um, interdenominationally speaking, churches that I had been a part of or affiliated with would not fellowship interdenominationally at all. So like if you were in the community and there's 20 other type of churches, but one's Baptist, one's Methodist, one's Presbyterian, one's Catholic, one's this, this, we are segregated. Like it's like separate, but equal, (laughs) you know, like segregation, you know? Um, And sometimes you do run the risk of the whole, these churches are not, you know, in the truth. These churches are in the truth, so on and so forth. So we're not going to get into all that. Um, but then within the same denomination, you also have, it's almost like a competitive type of situation because people feel like you would leave them to go to the neighbor or to go, you know, somewhere else. And so they didn't want you to venture out or fellowship with even in your own denomination because they feared like you might not come back or they might, you know, have something that they don't have. So it's, there was just no, even if they do, that's the reason why we need a fellowship because yeah. you don't do everything. <laughs> like right. you, you don't have everything for a Come reason. <laughs> so 
that's why we need to go out here and expand our horizons, okay? So we should be out here. Um, and, you know, if you're all in the same community, especially within a certain jurisdiction or a range, um, there's certain things they can do, certain things you can do. And if we're all trying to help our community or the people who are within our reach and we're all reaching the same pool of people, why not join hands and lock arms with these people so that we all can as a greater force serve them together so i don't know if that really answers it but it's a mess because again there's just so much um i feel like over the years there's become just a lot of like personality that has gotten in the way man's pride has gotten in the way just too much humanness is involved in um the church to where it's not about the spirit of God. It's, it's about other things now. And um, they just are not promoting, you know, church to churches getting together. And again, like within recent years, I've been able to see interdenominational interfaith, you know, even if like what I'm saying when I first said about one, na- you know, one nation unified together, I'm talking like people who clearly have even, um, scriptural disagreements, like Catholics don't believe this, you know, Methodists don't believe this, so-and-so don't believe this, but but regular, you know, um, I don't even know how else to say it, but regular uh, Pentecostal or otherwise Christian entities will partner with them, and not on a textual type of situation, not on a biblical type of situation, but on a, we are rallying together as people who say we love Jesus and we believe in God and we want to help people for this cause and they come together and they do it. They have laid down their preferences. They've laid down their differences. They've laid down even their, you know, belief systems in a sense, not to say, I don't believe this. I don't believe that, but they're saying that doesn't matter because why we're here is to serve these people Mm -hmm. or to represent this cause. And so in the last few years, I've been able to see that, um, you know, where I live and where I've been around to where people will do um, interdenominational, interfaith, and inter, uh, you know, church just within the community and just expand and try to do more things. Now, is it happening a lot? No. Is it happening enough? No. But some, it has to start somewhere. And so for the people who are trying, you have to commend them for that because it has to start with you. And when you start it, then it can go from there. Mm, that's good. Yeah, the thing that, that really hits me right now is based off what you said is that we don't (laughs) we're afraid that if they leave our church that they're going to go somewhere else because they have something that we don't have the thing that really stuck out to me when you said that is the diversity of gifts Mm. we are limiting our people like you said because they're not getting what they don't have so if you're um and when we talk about denominations it, it really like, I, I don't want to hang my hat on specifically the denominations, more so than to say that we know that certain denominations, certain sects of the church um, collectively kind of are identified with certain styles. So let's just say it in that regard. So not to mm-hmm. put one above the other, but just if we can understand. And, and again, I believe we're talking to mature believers. So I think that we could comprehend what we're referring to. So let's say hypothetically that you have one genre of the church that is great at missions or they're great Mm -hmm. at, they just want to equip the church. And so they put on conferences and they bring in speakers and they're doing these things. And your church is just 
hey, we just we're, we're a community. We, we focus on fellowship and we just we want to be, you know, the church in our community. Wonderful. You know, no disrespect on, on either case. But when you understand the niche that you have and then you say, hey, there's a, a conference in the community. I'm going to go to such and such church. Hey, promote that. It's not saying, hey, go to this right. church because this church put on this. And so that means they have more resources and they're better than us. If we're all the church, then we have to recognize two things. One, that there's a diversity. And two, mm -hmm. that we're all one. So that diversity didn't make us two or multiple simply because we were diverse. It actually is a benefit to us if we recognize it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, just kind of to, to keep the conversation moving. If we are disunified, that's immaturity. Mm -hmm. Division should not separate, but distribute. So mm -hmm. if you have something that I don't, then praise God. Like, if I'm moving and you have a truck and I don't, guess what? I'm calling you. you know what I'm <laughs> I can't move without the truck. You know what I'm right. And if we took that to the church and recognize that, hey, I need you and you need me, you can stay in your lane and continue to be you. And I'm going to stay in my lane and continue to be me. And the focus is not, man, I'm going to lose that person because they like that person's gift. It's no. If we can teach a proper understanding of unity, we have mm -hmm. no fear because we're all going to need each other and use each other to the extent that God has called us to. And we're going to stay in our lane and trust that God has called you to someplace. Because I've been in churches where they were upset that I left. And I was like, look, I didn't leave because of anything you did. I left because God is calling me elsewhere. If my time okay. and my season is up here, I don't choose for myself. I don't pick any churches because I'm, I don't like to worship or I didn't like so-and-so. Like, that's irrelevant exactly. to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll pray that situation through and let the Lord have his way. But as for me, like, I'm going to go where the Lord is calling me to exercise my giftings and my abilities. Not because I'm just like, man, I want to find something else because this is just not, not hitting me right now. Because, again, that goes back to the piano scenario. If I'm, mm -hmm. if I'm choosing a church out of my flesh then I was wrong. My intentions were wrong all along. And my flesh is always going to want a war against the things that I'm like, I'm always going to have to submit to something that I'm not feeling in any context, whether it be family, friendships, work. I don't like everything mm -hmm. my work does, but I'm not quitting simply because, oh, I didn't like the way that. Exactly. You know, Come you know on I, here. I like the color of the uniform, so I'm out. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's thing. <laughs> like, it, we're always going to find something demonic or unspiritual to hang our hat on. And it's like, why? Wow. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, that, that, that's where I'm at with that. Uh, and just understanding that God is the designer of diversity in the church, not man. So God has distributed these gifts to us. And I'm, I'm kind of taking this out of 1 Corinthians 12 that uh, it says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And that's 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Mm -hmm. like, God has orchestrated diversity. So if we can recognize that God has orchestrated that, then I praise God for the fact that you're different than me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I praise God that you are my sister that has some similar giftings and which allows us to to rejoice in that but i also appreciate the diversity that you bring because i can't do you you know what i'm saying i can't uh -huh. minister the way that you minister and i love that i should uh -huh. be praising god that he's made you differently because otherwise we would just be sitting here just talking about the very same thing and just affirming one another but i i get to uh -huh. encourage you to be different you know what i'm saying i get to encourage you in your differences and continue uh -huh. to stir you to love and good works because your good works are different than my good works but they're still good works and that's mm -hmm. what we get to be unified in is that our foundation is the same love and good works, whatever that looks like. That's on you, how you live that out. <laughs> but the foundation is you're loving and you're working good. You know what I'm saying? And that's right. what I praise God about. So your thoughts on that. Piece. Wow. <laughs> Honestly, that just brings me all to Ephesians four. I mean, 
straight up just Ephesians 4. And if I can just take a brief moment to kind of just break down a few things from that, um, because it kind of speaks for itself when you really look at what, it, what, it's telling, what it's saying to us, but it reiterates the whole oneness and unity. I mean, when you just look at it by the first pass, going down the first pass of reading Ephesians chapter 4, all you're going to see is oneness and unity, oneness and unity. Hmm. So I just want to kind of walk through it a little bit. Um, starting at verse 1, it says, um, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech, that, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. But first of all, Paul is saying, I am beseeching you, I am imploring, I am urging you, I am begging you, I am pleading with you to walk worthy of the vocation in which you were called. So he's talking to us um, as the body of Christ, as believers, to walk worthy of the vocation. Okay, so obviously none of us have been worthy of anything, but because God deemed us worthy, he loved us before we loved him, he chose us before we chose him, he deemed us worthy, so we need to walk worthy of the vocation which, he, which we were called. And what is the vocation? The vocation is your specific calling, that diversity that he made of you because he designed your diversity, like you just said. So he designed each and every one of us with a specific individual calling, purpose, occupation, vocation within his body, the global church. Verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another. So in other words, be humble, be gentle, be patient, bear with each other in love. Be humble, be gentle, be patient, because you're supposed to walk worthy. How do I walk worthy? I walk worthy by being humble, by being gentle, by being patient, (laughs) by bearing with each other in love. These things just tie together. So I, I have to make it plain like this. Verse three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace endeavor this is what i'm telling you to do brother sister (laughs) endeavor to keep aka maintain the unity of the spirit so there's already a unity within the spirit because the Mm. spirit of god cannot be ununified period Mm. there is no discord within him okay so he's saying endeavor to maintain that unity of the spirit in the bond of peace as romans tells us as much as lies with you right so as much Mm -hmm. as is possible with yourself because unity starts with you, you endeavor to keep and maintain the unity of the spirit. Then we get to verse four, which is there's one body, there's one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, mm. one God, father of it all. So one again, we're not, I'm the first church of Jesus Christ. I'm the first church of uh, the God Yahweh and uh, Jehovah Jireh. I'm yeah. the first church of Jehovah Shalom. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the same God. What yeah. <laughs> God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Okay. So he's not even trying to play you and say, you don't even have the Lord in you. He's saying, I believe that the Lord is in you all, but I'm going to need you to act worthy of the vocation in which you were called. <laughs> I'm going to need you to do this. Okay. So let's skip down to verse 11. It says, and he gave some. So here's some more of the vocations that you can have been called in. Not all, but some of the vocations that he could have given. Because he says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give them? For the perfecting of the saints. Yes. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. So your vocation, your gifting, some of you, some of us, are to help for the perfecting of all of the saints. So 
So all of the saints is everyone who is professing the name of Christ, all of us, for the work of ministry in any sect. So you could be in the helps, you could be an usher, you could be an elder, you could be a janitorial person. That's the work of the ministry, too, um, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Thirteen, he gave some in those vocations until we all come into the what? Unity, Unity. of the faith <laughs> and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so he's saying that we, our vocations, our callings, our purposes are for being perfected in the Lord for the work of the ministry until we all come into the unity of the faith, which takes some time, right? Obviously it does because we're still trying to get there. Mm -hmm. And to the knowledge of the Son of God, unto perfection and maturity. Verse 14 that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning craftiness. Um, so right there, just saying that we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. I think you and I talked earlier and we were talking about second um, Timothy chapter three, 16 and 17. Mm -hmm. All scripture is given for doctrine, instruction and in righteousness, reproof, correction, all that. So that's what this is for. Um, these people are set up or the members of the body are set up to help instruct you in the word of God so that you can grow to know the Lord, that you can understand his word so that you are not forever in your walk and relationship with Christ, a child or a babe in Christ tossed back and forth with every slight of doctrine that comes forth. So if you hear something, oh, that's the truth. Oh, that's the truth. Oh, that's the truth. You'll be able to have discernment. You'll be able to know what is of God, what's not of God. Okay. And then 16, it says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. Hmm. So let me say this in another language. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Hmm. And I think you said that <laughs> in your description <laughs> about the diversity. The Lord makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, what does it do? It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Mm. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So when you do your part that God put you perfectly together to do, you are helping the other parts of the body grow so that the whole body is healthy and grow growing and full of love. So my last comment on that part is just when you look at human biology, does any part or internal organ of yours go rogue on its own and decide it's going to hijack all your nourishment and serve itself and mm. attack your other body parts and just live by itself and thrive a part of the rest of your body? Absolutely not, because it does what it was created and designed to do to contribute to the daily functioning and overall health of your body that it was fashioned in. So your kidney is not going to rebel and be like, I'm taking up everything. I'm get every time they eat, I'm taking it all. I'm hijacking the blood. I'm hijacking the water. I'm hijacking every vitamin, everything. It doesn't do that. It does this part that the kidney is designed to do so that the other parts can do what grow and be healthy and be nourished and full of love. Hmm. So, <laughs> what say you? I'm going to hang on the last illustration. <laughs> so, because the body doesn't hijack itself, 
the body has to work together because when one part lacks, it speaks to other parts to let them know, I need something. Therefore, the brain is communicated. So, for example, the stomach. If the stomach is hungry, what happens? It starts grumbling and lets you know, I'm hungry, which means that's speaking Mm -hmm. to the brain, letting you know you need to get some food, which then speaks to your eyes to go to the refrigerator and your hand to grab the food to consume into your mouth. Come on. So everybody begins to work together to accomplish Mm. the need, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So we have to understand that. And then what happens if that isn't done? Then the body does begin to attack itself. So we, we have to begin to understand that this internal fighting if we don't recognize this, and, and this, I love, my pastor actually brought this to my attention, which was wonderful. So you started with verse one, which is, he said, I therefore, and I love mm-hmm. conjunctions in the Bible. <laughs> They're connecting words, which means when he says, therefore, you need to jump back to verse, to chapter three, which the yes. last verse in chapter three says, unto him be glory in the church. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Because the fact that God wants to to express His glory through the church, we therefore mm-hmm. now have to walk worthy of our calling, <laughs> you know, <what> I'm <laughs> which is express the unity. So, if we don't, now God's glory is at stake. If we don't recognize our need to wow. be part of a body, because you hear these people say, "Oh, I can just do my own thing. I can do church at home, or I don't need to fellowship, or I don't like so and so." Well, because you decide not to like so and so, guess what? you're now diminishing God's glory in the church because you're choosing not to go to so-and-so, which it says, I believe in Matthew, if you have ought against your brother, drop your gift, go fix that situation Mm -mm -mm. because unity is at stake. So you want to be blessed individually without being rewarded corporately. So you're, you're, you can't add glory to the church by being disunified because you're choosing to be separate and apart, which selfish, which is selfish ambition, which then goes back to James three. So, if we don't recognize the glory that's at stake, we would choose to continue to do these things, which I love. And I don't know if we're going to get into this today, but if you were to continue to read Ephesians 4 from 18 on, there's the practical application to recognizing the glory that's at stake. And it actually speaks about putting off the old man and putting on the new man, which is mm-hmm. our selfish desires. And we recognize wow. that that's the disunity that's connected to him saying, walk worthy, which means put on the new man and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And it talks about all these things that we can do to help endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit of Bonapi. So, my God, it, it is so good. Um, and <laughs> I, I, I love it. The greatest word that was in that entire chapter is the word keep. And I think you, you expounded on a little bit, but we're not creating unity. <laughs> unity is already established. Right. Our responsibility yes. is to maintain it. You know what I'm saying? Yes. By doing these things, by saying, okay, Lord, like, <laughs> I really don't like the fact that now they're using a keyboard instead of a grand piano, but what does the word say? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. How do I need to now come into terms with that by recognizing that at the end of the day, does it impact spirituality? No. Right. If it's impacting your spirituality, that means how do I then begin to reckon myself with the truth of the scripture and the importance mm-hmm. of, okay, it's diverse. It's different. It's okay. There might be some other reasons as to why that was done, but Lord, ultimately, are you being glorified by what we do in the church? Is our worship, has it changed or um, impacted our worship in such a way that we can no longer worship you because we have a keyboard instead of a grand piano like we have to begin Mm -hmm. to question it in that mind when we find ourselves being disunified or at odds with things that don't look like us 
or or be mm-hmm. the way that we would do it. So um, it, it puts pride as as the forefront as opposed to God and his unity and glory for the church. So, um, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, super good. Um, so I know you kind of talked about it. And so I'll just kind of hit the three points and then we'll kind of just see where the Lord takes us. But um, I think that we need to be, uh, we are unified in three ways. So again, it's not about these superficial things, but these are the three ways that we should be unified. Uh, number one is we have a unifying master. Um, number two, we have a unifying message. And thirdly, we have a unifying mindset. Um, when we think about our master, I think you kind of hit it a little bit um, when you talked about Ephesians 4, you know, having one Lord, uh, one God, one spirit. Um, that should unify the church um, when we think about the fact that we have one master. Um, and I'm going to kind of just highlight uh, 1 Corinthians 12 um, a little bit um, when I think about that. And um, just the fact that, you know, because the fact that diversity is usually what drives our lack of unity, um, mm-hmm. recognizing why that diversity was there. We, we kind of hit that a little bit. Um, but if we understand that, like you said, at the end of Ephesians, that it is for the perfecting of the church, that we are all mature together because of that diversity, Mm -hmm. um, understanding that God designed it that way intentionally. Um, so it's not me just saying, well, I just want to be a rebel and be different from you. (laughs) Uh, but we're recognizing that it's the master that is the author of that diversity. And Mm -hmm. he understood that to complete the church that we needed everything. We needed every part to be different. Um, mm-hmm. Verse 11 says, all these worketh that one and self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. Um, and he said that we are all one. So we are unified, even though we're different, we're unified under one umbrella, which is God. Um, so your thoughts as you kind of expound on Ephesians 4 with that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so just the part that if you continued reading in there, um, verse 18 is just the kicker to me because it says, but now God has set the members, every one of them in the body as it pleased him. Hmm. So if you rewind, verse 14, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not the hand, I'm not the body. Is it not of the body? So hmm. in, but not of, right? In, hmm. but not of. <laughs> if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it not of the body? If the whole body was an eye, then how could you hear? If the whole body were hearing, then how could you smell? But again, God set the members, every one of them, how it pleased him. So that even brings us into like, um, we talked about competition. We talked about jealousy. I think in previous um, episodes ago, we talked about envying or coveting other people's gifts because man, I like the way he speaks. I like the way Mm -hmm. he's talented, you know? So I want to be the hand. I want to be the eye. I want to be the one that sees. I want to be the mouth. I want to be the one that talks, you know? Um, So we could just imagine your own physical body. If you were just literally a gigantic hand, there were no other limbs, there were no other pieces to it, just one hand, you wouldn't even be a body. You wouldn't even be a human. I mean, what would you be? (laughs) Because that would just not be right. Um, So we have to begin appreciating the whole entire complexity of God's divine creation in making us as individuals in the first place. But then two, by deciding who gets to be what, like it's on him. He, it's his, as the creator, um, I wrote this down in Romans 9:20, but it says, who are you, O man, to answer back to God? 
Will, what is molded say to its molder? Why have you made me like this? That's basically what you're saying. It's like, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Um, why did you make me like this, God? Why did you make me the eye instead of the nose? Why did you make me um, without musical talent? Like, I want to be a musician too, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I'm not one. But so should I be mad at God and be like, Lord, why you are the creator. Why did you make me like this? You know, why didn't you make me like X, Y, and Z? He knows what he was doing when he did what he did. So we should just be grateful for ourselves first and foremost, because again, unity starts with you. But then, like you said, be appreciative of the gifts that are around us and celebrate that it's somebody else and that they're doing that and you don't have to do everything because of the fact that he divided it as he wanted to. The labor is divided and we don't all have to do every single thing that the church needs to serve itself. You know, as the organ, the kidney doesn't have to feed the entire body by itself. You know, like the hand doesn't have to, to do the function of the whole body by itself. Like everything has its own purpose and function. So we should be glad that everything, the whole full weight of responsibility is not on one unit, one part by itself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I like um, verse 24 and 25. So you said, I believe it was in verse 18, that he did it so that because it pleased him. Right. Our gifts are not for us to be pleased or for us to be glorified, but for him to be glorified. In verse 25, mm. he said he diversified us so that there would be no schism <laughs> in the body, mm. <laughs> but that the members should have the same care for one another. So in evaluating our how we perceive other people's gifts or when we think about, man, I wish I was that person. Do we have care for things that are not like us? Mm-hmm. whether it be gifts, styles, whatever the case may be. Can we appreciate someone so much that even though they're not like us, we recognize that they still need to be cared for because we find ourselves hating things or disliking things that are not our cup of tea. Instead of realizing mm-hmm. that God has gifted someone differently, therefore we have to appreciate and respect the fact that God is honored. Not us. <laughs> like, right. I don't have to be pleased. If God is pleased, I have to accept that and then recognize they are part of the body. Therefore, like, I wouldn't necessarily be out here promoting my kidney, per se. Like, I, I'm glad my kidney is <laughs> underneath the skin. You know what I'm saying? Because it's uncomely, per se, right? Mm-hmm. But it's necessary to my body. So I'm grateful that I have a kidney. But I'm glad that it's not the face, right? <laughs> Correct. And, and But I don't have a... a, a a lack of appreciation in terms of that. And we have to understand that you're not the face, but it doesn't mean that you receive less glory because you're not the face. And I think that's what right. happens. In, and I'm glad I used the face in this illustration because we think the face becomes the face, which is now you get glory because you're the face mm-hmm. of the church, if you will. So spiritually speaking, we want to be the face of things. We want to be up front and center because we think right. that's where glory comes from. Glory comes from you just being obedient and faithful to what God has called you to do. If you are the kidney, Mm -hmm. great. Continue to work well because your face will be the reflection of the fact that other parts are not working well. So if we Mm -hmm. understand the the face has a greater responsibility, and that's what I love about Ephesians 4 when it talks about some are are pastors, apostles, prophets, Mm -hmm. might be the face, but that face will lack glory if the other parts are not received well and accepted the way that they need to be. So Right. Although the face might be the representation of what you might perceive as a gr- of greater honor, if the, if 
we don't bestow greater honor to those that are, are considered less than quote unquote, mm-hmm. there's no glory in the face <laughs> because that means you, you didn't yeah. do your part well because you're not able to strengthen and perfect the saints by thinking that you're it because you're the face. So we have to serve in order to help elevate and, and let the body work together. Not, Hey, everyone serves me because I'm the face. So a lot could be said about that. And we we've seen that distorted mm-hmm. in, in tons of different ways, but um yeah, definitely one for us to really recognize that we're all one, regardless of which part we play. Right. Uh, secondly, um, you know, unified in our message. Um, and, you know, we obviously recognize that we preach Christ, um, that Christ okay. should be what unifies us. And, and when we get to, I think earlier we were talking about denominations and things like that, Um I think that it's important to recognize that we can't lay any other foundation than Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, Christ has to be what, um, what is the end all be all for us? Um, You know, I think Mm -hmm. about first Corinthians three and how, you know, everybody's like, Oh, I follow Paul. I follow Paulus. I follow, you know, Christ. And and everybody was just running around and it's like, look, (laughs) you know, one planted one water, but God got the increase. Like if we look at it at the end of the day as we're just a cog in the wheel, we're not it we will respond differently when we recognize that we're just being faithful to what God has given us. Not that we Mm -hmm. have to continue to seek the glory or the adulation for what we do. Um, We've been given a grace, um, but we can't, we weren't, we are not the foundation. We are building on something apart from us. And I love what how it says in in first Corinthians three, it says, um, you know, you are God's field, God's building. Um, we are God's fellow workers. Um, it says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is, is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the beautiful thing about that analogy is that he's basically saying, like, I came to you and I preached nothing but Christ crucified. Like, if we don't unify on that principle, then mm-hmm. it's going to be every man for himself in terms of like, okay, this is my lane. This is what I do. This is what I want to say. And I'm going to interpret and run however I want to. And that's going to be acceptable because it's me. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and I get to decide how I come off, how I represent what it is that I represent, my creativity, my wisdom, my what have you. And we're not laying it on the foundation of Christ, which is we don't have to interpret anything else. And I, I believe I heard it um, this past week is we're not, uh, relaying new truth or we're not looking for new truth we're repeating old truth so right if we can get back to understanding that we have everything we need we're now just a a recipient and a carrier of that message we don't have to try any harder than other than just let the spirit do his thing and us just mm-hmm. get behind being faithful and obedient to the foundation that has been laid so um, your thoughts on the foundation I mean you put Plain and simple is just um, kind of really tying back what I had said about um, Ephesians 4 and 13 about the vocations. What were their purpose for the perfecting of the saints, work of ministry, edifying the body until we come to the unity of the faith? And then the key, the knowledge of Christ or Jesus. So the knowledge of Jesus, if we're all speaking the same thing, we're all messengers in different places spread out because the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Um, and so if you tie in second Peter chapter one, you know that he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through what knowledge mm. of him. So you, 
everything that pertains to life and godliness, we can only give you the Lord. That's all we can give you. I mean, no matter what is going through, what you're going through, even when unbelievers come to us um, on our jobs, in the stores, on the street, you know, all we have is to give them Christ. That's literally all we have. It may not be um, a verse. It may not be uh, the prayer of salvation, but our fruit is going to be the light of Christ because he said that we're the light of the world and that um, they would see our good works and they would glorify the Father. So everything we have is embodying him and everything we have to offer is still through him. You know, even just like if you look at Peter, I think it was Peter and John when the, the poor man came, you know, begging for money. He said, we don't have anything to give you, but such as we have, we're going to give you, you know they had the Lord. Mm -hmm. So that's basically what I think of when I think of that, of speaking the same thing, you know, a unifying message is we're preaching the Lord. And if, if all we have to offer them is the Lord and his word, if we could just, you know, really not dilute the word, not change the word to what we're saying more that eisegesis than exegesis, like literally give them what the, the word really says and, um, you know, pray for ways to to give the word in due season. Uh, be ready at all times to, to speak what we need. And, you know, different times we talk, there's always a scripture that applies to something that people are going through. So that's a way to speak Christ, preach Christ, speak the same thing. If we're speaking from his words, and that's how we can uh, be unified in that aspect. That's good. Yeah, lastly, um, that we need to be unified in our mindset, um, which means that we have one goal despite how we get to that, that place. So we know we've, we've heard it said again, cliche that, you know, there's one message, but many methods. Um, and so mm-hmm. our methodologies obviously has been what kind of has separated us, um, which is unfortunate. Um, and we focus so much on the things that divide us without understanding what unifies us. And I think if we focused more on what unified us, we would recognize that our diversity is for our unity. So um, just kind of repeating this in in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 7 and 8, it says, um, So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So, you know, that oneness... um, when you recognize that one person might be the person that actually farmed it and another person that nurtured it, neither one of you actually was the person that actually caused it to grow. So mm-hmm. there's no pride in what you did specifically, other than the fact that you were faithful in the role that God has placed you in. And you recognize that even though you have different functions, you're unified because you're getting to the point, which is the growth. Um, you know, I believe it says that, you know, this is the will of God, your sanctification. So if we recognize that, the goal is maturity of the believer. A, we didn't save the believer <laughs> and B, we can't sanctify them. So our role is just to, to get behind God <laughs> whose role uh-huh. is to sanctify, to save. Um, and we are appreciative. Like you said, you know, we, we deserve nothing. So we're appreciative of the fact that God has given us a role. Um, and secondly, that we are to be faithful in that role. And so we just are just faithful to just punch in the clock, just do the work, do the work, do the work. And we get back and we get to rejoice in what God does through our faithfulness, as well as the faithfulness of others. Um, mm-hmm. And that gives us, should give us the freedom to be able to fall back and say, I am nothing, 
and I am not the deciding factor in whether or not this person either receives Christ and or is sanctified in Christ because that is the spirit's work. But God is allowing me to be used to assist him in his work. That means that I should be able to walk alongside another brother or sister and be unified. in the fact that we all have the same mission, which is to glorify God. <laughs> um, your thoughts right. on that? So you're talking about having a unified mindset. Um, two things come to me. The first thing is Acts, the very, very beginning of Acts, chapter one, chapter two, um, and even into chapter five. Um, we know that that's when the Holy Spirit um, came upon the people that were in the um, waiting on the Lord. You know, they said, don't depart from here until mm-hmm. the Spirit comes, which he did do uh, day of Pentecost, right? Um, but when you go to the end, after Peter's doing his thing, he's preaching, you know, people were convicted, <laughs> you know, he is preaching, um, and verse 37, you know, people are like hearing what he said and they're convicting. They're asking him, man and brother, what must we do to be saved? And then we know that whole famous Acts 238, you know, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ and you will receive the Holy Ghost. Um, but when you keep going down and read into verse 41, it says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. So that's, they heard it. Mm-hmm. They were convicted. They gladly received it, and then they obeyed because they were baptized, okay? And then it said that same day were added unto them 3,000 souls about. Um, Then your favorite part there, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Um, Continuing to read verse 44, and all that believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 45 they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. I know we talked about this a few episodes ago, but there's a point to it this time. Um, <laughs> they continued daily with one accord. Again, that oneness and unity in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. So they just used different ways and different words to say unity and oneness. Okay. Through this whole thing, one accord, all that. Okay. Um, why am I saying this? Because, from the same oneness, the group of people, remember I said that they sold their possessions, they sold their goods, they, they uh, distributed it among all those people. They had all things in common. But when we get to chapter 5, mm. this is where we meet Ananias and Sapphira. They mm. sold a possession. They kept back part of the price. Okay? He and his wife were both in on the situation. She could have disagreed. She could have said, honey, we don't need to do that. If we're going to give it to God and give it to the people, let's give it to God and give it to the people. But she agreed with him. Peter approached Ananias and was like, why did Satan fill your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Like, you're not lying to us. You lied to the Lord, you know, because you kept back part of the price. And he told him, like, it was yours. You didn't have to do, you know, you didn't have to do this technically. It was yours to do what you want to do with it. So why would you conceive this thing in your heart? You lied to God and not men. So he died on the spot. His wife came through and they gave her a chance to tell the truth without <laughs> telling her that his, his her husband had just died and what had happened. So she came in and held the same story. And so she also died. And so that part is just, again, 
in but not of because they were in the community, in the family, but not fully committed because they weren't willing to um, be as united as the previous chapters were, where they were like, everybody was in the same spirit, the same mindset, the same one accord, believing all of our properties together. Like at that point, there's no competition because nobody has nothing like we're sharing everything. Nobody has a need. We're rejoicing every day together. We're getting along. Like everything is good. Like why? You know, but then it brings me to Philippians 2 and 5, which have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, King mm-hmm. James Version. Um, Amplified says, have this same attitude in yourself, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility. So in order to have the mind of Christ, and, and a lot of the New Testament talks about the transformation of our mind and how important it is that we gird our, the loins of our mind, feed our minds, transform our minds. Um, we're new creatures in Christ. Peter referred to how we are um, given all those things that pertain to life and godliness through knowledge of God. Knowledge comes to the mind. So everything is about the mind being fed. But the only way that our minds are going to be fed, and I love that example that you gave because you were talking about how the brain communicates with this limb to do X, Y, and Z, to communicate with the hand to pick something up, to feed Mm -hmm. the mouth, and then consume. I'm telling you. That's what it's about, because if you feed your mind more of this word, more of the things of God, then you will begin to execute the things that you fed your mind to do. And so this is why if we have um, the mind of Christ, we're only going to have it by reading what he said, you know, um, reading, hearing, receiving it, accepting it, agreeing with it. And that's the other part, because I think you mentioned about uh, one mind um, earlier and that all comes down to agreement. You know, we cannot have the mind of Christ and not be in agreement with him. Like, it's, it's a requirement. In order to have the mind of Christ, you have to agree with him. You can't be like, I respectfully disagree, Lord, but mm. I'm still one with you. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> if, if we're not in agreement, let me tell you something. And if you did not know this before today, please know it now. If we read something in the word and we're not in agreement, two things. One, you're not in alignment with it, which is why you're not in agreement. So when you come into alignment, you will agree. Mm. Number two, you've probably been taught opposite of that. So therefore, you're just predisposed to think differently. But this is why we have to unlearn what we had in us before we come to this. Because when we come to this, we have to come like a child who's just open, right? So that's what it is at the end of the day. It's not like a suggestion. When we come to his word, his word is his word. The truth is not going to bend or bow to you. We have to bend and bow to the truth. We have to conform ourselves to him, and we have to get our mind reconstructed through the word because Who we are, you and I personally right now, are not who we were rewind 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Even if we were still in church, we were not mentally or spiritually the individuals that we are as far as maturity is even concerned. Take even our, before we decide to accept Christ in at all, definitely, we were definitely different even in that context. So if you just look at the fact that not being a Christian, not accepting Lord in your life to let him literally be the Lord of your life. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm gonna let you be the Lord. Now you now have to let him be that in order to let him be that. That means you have to start saying, okay, 
I'm not going to do this because that's what you want me to do. I'm going to do this because that's what you want me to do. So you start learning what you're supposed to do and you start doing it or you stop doing the stuff that you are doing that you're not supposed to do. That's just the bottom line. That's good. Yeah, I was I was likened to Psalm 119, and I know you uh, kind of wrote on this uh, particular topic. Um, but, you know, I even had the opportunity to kind of share this with my kids um, because it's this simple, um, you know, and again, just kind of going back to hear, receive, obey, but, um, you know, kind of in just kind of instruction, uh, you know, I took them to Psalm 119, 9 and 11. Super, super familiar. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people say it, but let's really break it down. Um, so right. Psalm 119.9 says, um, how shall a young man keep his way pure? So I just stopped there. How? Okay. <laughs> Don't answer the question. Now we're going to tell you by taking heed thereto according to thy word. So mm-hmm. by living according to the word of God. Okay. So you want to be pure. You're declaring that you're pure because you love the Lord. You, you serve the Lord. So there's no argument there. You have to learn the word. Then, verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So sin is impurity, which means that if you're sinning, you're not being pure, which means you're probably not living according to the word, which means you're not hiding the word in your heart. So to meditate on the promise of God, you have to renew your mind. And I believe you said this, I think, uh, a few episodes. Um, We have to renew ourselves according to the word. Mm -hmm. The fact that we don't renew our mind there's no change that will ever stick because we're going, it's going to be so temporal in its effectiveness. If we don't ever change our mind, it's not going to change our heart or vice versa. If we don't change our heart, we're not going to change our mind. So until we get this in our heart and in our mind, we're always going to respond how we know because we're, we're predisposed to flesh. We're predisposed to sin. If we don't renew our mind with the spirit and walk in the spirit, it's going to take some activity, right? It's, it's going to take us saying, oh, I'm going to walk, take a conscious effort to say, I can no longer do these things. Yes, we need the spirit's help, but it is a, a, an active participation in us walking in sanctification. It's the spirit helps us while we choose to say, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. So mm-hmm. if we don't do that, we can't expect it to just work on its own. We have to make a conscious effort to say, like you said, it starts with you, right? <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, it comes back to this and, and we can keep it so simple or we can make it really complex. But the bottom line is what are we going to do when we recognize that there's an issue? Like we, we have to be willing, especially and this is what I love. Spirit. Like we know that we're prone to, to sit. We know that we're, we're weak and we have our, our predispositions about, certain things or certain things that frustrate us. Like I've been having a lot of conversations with my kids about road rage and I don't get upset when it comes to road rage, like things bother me and and I don't like when people cut me off, but I'm not going to run up to somebody and and want to flip them the bird or or want to cuss them out, not get angry in my car for what? I mean, it's three seconds of my life that really is, is affecting my sanctification for me really getting upset. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go there, but there are other things that frustrate me, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And -hmm. and I respond in kind and and I have to, to, Take those things to the Lord. And I think the, the thing that we have to understand in that situation is, is the Lord speaking to us and by his graciousness to say, hey, what's up with that? You know what I mean? And what yeah. do we do in that moment when we feel the Lord's prompting um, to us falling short of his glory? Um, 
when we have that moment, we at that point have to decide, and, and obviously let's bring this to um, the practicality of this particular segment, unity. When we find ourselves not unified to the church, when we find ourselves being bitter and jealous and, and, and angry or, or whatever adjective we want to put there, what do we do when the Lord prompts us to that? Because we have to know that is not of God. We have to know mm-hmm. that that is not the way that the Lord wants us to operate. And I, I love how the, the word said it in Acts 5 when you brought up that Ananias and, and, and Sapphira is, is said, why did you allow Satan to fill your heart? You know, it wasn't, mm. <laughs> you know, it wasn't just like, like you said, it, it's in opposition to God, which means that that's not of God. So you allowed Satan to fill your heart with this lying and this deceit. So when we get to that point, are we going to be willing to, to answer to God and say, okay, Lord, I repent of that that sinful desire. I repent of the flesh that is in me and I want to be renewed. We have to make a conscious effort to repent and, and seek the mercy of God because otherwise we're going to allow that earthly and sensual spirit to win. And if we're allowing that yeah. to win and we see that and then we're recognizing, okay, this is affecting God's glory. We're fighting within our own body, our, our own home. And are we okay with that? Mm-hmm. We can't be okay with that. We can't, at the end of the day, be at peace with that. Because what testimony are we giving to God's glory when we say, oh yeah, I like my church, but I don't particularly care about this. Or I don't like, what are we giving glory to? You know what I'm saying? We're Mm -hmm. again, choosing the negativity of things we don't like, which is internal and allowing that to be what defines the body of Christ. And that shouldn't be so. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's true. I mean, isn't that kind of like though, the whole kingdom divided against itself can't stand. Yep. Yep. Love it. Um, so, yeah, just kind of one closing thought for me is, um, you know, just kind of going back to First um, Corinthians 12. And I believe it was chapter 14. It wasn't in my notes, but um, as I was looking at the Bible, I saw this piece and I thought it was super good. So I'm going to just add that before I get to it. But it was Ephesians. I'm sorry. First Corinthians 14. Um, maybe it was four. Yeah, it was uh, chapter four. So we were going into uh, 1 Corinthians 3, talking about the foundation and all of that. But then chapter four says, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So even Paul is talking about giving an account. And I kind of want to just end on that note of we have to give account to what we do in the body of Christ. Um, We can't spell unity without you and I. So knowing that unity means I have to be one with another. Um, that means that I need the body to cooperate in that. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 24 and 25 says, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be no division in the body, but that the members have to care one for another. And I know we read that earlier, but I just wanted to highlight that again, because to this end, we have to evaluate, do I have the same care? for everyone in the body not just the ones that i care for not just the ones that look like me that make it easy to be unified but the ones that actually challenge my diversity and my unity in christ because that's truly where the heart is and i I think you said in ephesians 4 is forbearing one another in love like we have to be willing to um 
be patient with people, even when they're not like us. Um, and mm-hmm. we've talked about, you know, there's verses in Romans, you know, the first Thessalonians about, you know, helping the weak and, and all of that. Like we know that not everybody is going to always be in the same spiritual spot, um, have the same personal desires, all of that. And so that means that now, because we are diverse, we have a challenge and a responsibility to be unified. Because again, mm-hmm. it says to keep the unity, to maintain the unity, which means our responsibility is, I don't have to like how you do it, but I have to appreciate the fact that you're you're glorifying God. Therefore, I have to glorify God in accepting you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So yeah, um, yeah. So that, that that's where I'm at with it. Is that it's not a competition; it, it's cooperation. And uh, you know, lastly, just this point is: would I intentionally harm my own physical body? I would not, right? And when we see people who mm-hmm. do that, whether it be you know people who who um, struggling mentally and they might be cutting themselves or doing things like that we we recognize that that's because there's a a struggle within if we see that behavior we would definitely call it like that and say man like that's a a troubled person and we'd want to get to the heart of that and we want to help them why is it that we're acceptable to cutting the body of christ because Mm -hmm. we are disunified and yet we accept that and we choose to say well i'm okay with a prosthetic leg in the body of christ I'm okay mm-hmm. with the falsehood of what we perceive unity to be simply because I'm okay with what I do yet. I'm not okay with what they do. So yet I'm just going to mm-hmm. allow them to be themselves, but I'm going to remove myself or detach myself from the body and that we can't do. So if we're choosing to do that, we can't truly call ourselves a complete body. If we're not willing to actually go and help shape the body instead of then just cutting it off and just replacing it with something that's fake simply because that's what we appreciate. So um, that's kind of my final thoughts. Um, I I know that that's, um, again, something that's dear to me is that we, and and I've been in context where diversity um, was, took center stage and being diverse and and having that be, whether it it be race or um, difference of of, of musical styles or preferences or or, um, methodologies of ministry, um, we all bring that diverse group to the table. And I think mm-hmm. it's for the benefit of the body, not, hey, well, that's not how we do things. So go find somewhere else that's doing that so that you can thrive. But more so that God has positioned us in places so that that diversity actually is a help and a compliment, not a disservice. So um, yeah. your thoughts as we close. So just uh, to tag on to what you said with First Corinthians 4, if you just go to verse 2, it said, um, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So everything that we've said today, God is requiring faithfulness from you um, because no matter what your station or your vocation, you are a steward. You've been given a calling, a position, uh, some an expectation from God um, as your position in the body that he crafted you to be. And so um, I also just want to kind of leave this verse as kind of like my application verse um, or passage to think about. Um, as you go, just kind of marinating on this topic um, from Romans chapter 15. And it says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up for Christ did not please himself. And if you go down to verse four, it says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. 
May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I think that just kind of sums up everything that we've said today about, um, you know, dealing with others, serving others, pleasing others, and not in a, you know, pleasing them for their good in a non-spiritual way, but like literally in a ministerial kind of service servanthood way. And, um, you know, just understanding that even if it's hard because they're weak or whatever their personality or character or maturity levels is, it says whatever was written in former days was written for our learning sure. so that through the patience of the scriptures, we would have hope. And through the endurance and encouragement that we find in the word of God, will be it will enable us to live in harmony together um and further that unity maintain the unity that we have um so that we can glorify god so that's what i had to offer this was awesome <laughs> well, i definitely want to pray um to that end that you know the church as a whole that we take on the mantle of unity and just strive to be unified. Um, I know that it probably hits every listener differently in terms of, you know, what our uh, predisposed um, desires and, and ideologies are. Um, and not to say that they're not spiritual, but we're, we're created differently. And so we have different things that kind of tickle our interests and, and that has kind of shaped what we expect and want the church to become. But ultimately um, we have to appreciate the diversity of God, um, you know, give praise to the fact that, he allowed diversity to be what actually unifies us, which is probably uh, unknown ideology for most of us. Um, but um, just that we can recognize that simply because someone is different doesn't make them uh, divisive or um, ungodly because that diversity was created by God for the purpose of edifying the church and perfecting us as believers. So um, if we can really just leave with that, I mean, there's not really a lot practically speaking today other than to us to kind of just self-evaluate and just you know think about mm -hmm. is the lord um our foundation and if he is and if we believe um again going back to kind of what was practical if you want something practical i guess go back to last week or last month rather on um you know hearing receiving obeying but if that be the case then now we can fast forward to today and say because of that obedience to christ it requires us to be unified. And that is also part of the scripture that we hang our head on. Um, we don't get to pick and choose, like you said, which scriptures um, we want to resonate with. Um, if we don't come to terms with unity and diversity, that's something in us that we have to begin to break down and say, God, that is not of you. Um, help me to be unified with those uh, believers um, and those ideologies that are not unbiblical, but just different to my understanding and help me mm -hmm. to glorify you and um, rejoice in the fact that you're using people that are not like me um, to win the lost and to edify the church. So um, to that end, I want to pray. Amen. Father, thank you so much um, that you've made all of us uh, diverse and unique. Um, that diversity um, for some um, is, is, um, interesting and, and wonderful and, and um, to others it's a mystery and maybe uh, a frustration uh, but Lord we want to be unified because we know that it brings glory to you and so I pray for each and every one of us Lord that struggle with um, accepting uh, things in the church that we 
have a predisposed idea about what we believe should be. Um, Lord, we want to be in line with your word. And I pray that we uh, recognize that the foundation is Christ, that our mindset is, um, is one, and that we would bring everything in, into subjection of that thought, Lord, that it's not about us specifically and individually, but it's about you. And so if we can point our, our minds to that, um, Lord, we would get much further um, as a body. And Lord, recognizing that the body needs each other, that we can't work together um, and, and truly see uh, the fruit if we can't agree. Um, and so, Lord, we don't have to all um, appreciate and uh, accept every single um, difference, but we are commanded to be unified. And um, I might not necessarily like every genre of music, but if it brings glory to you, Lord, I um, I praise you for that, and uh, Lord, continue to help me shape um, my ideologies, and, and um, that I would point everything back to you, God, and, and appreciate you as the designer of diversity, Lord. Um, I pray that you continue to use uh, this medium uh, to um, edify your church and Lord, we, may we not cause disunity in our speech as we declare the truths of your word. And Lord, may we be um, quick to um, encourage and um, be a blessing to your body. Just continue to use us as uh, faithful stewards and let us give an account as we speak uh, that we continue to let unity be what shapes um, our thoughts and, and, and heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Her Bro, His Sis. Catch your favorite siblings each month as we talk to you, our family in Christ. Want to chat or just stay in the know? Catch us on Facebook and Instagram at Her Bro, His Sis.